Hello friend and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is delivered by Bishop Cameron Venables, who's the Bishop for the Western Region, and it focuses on Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 17 and the Ten Commandments. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The first reading is from Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. Hear the word of the Lord. Many years ago, I was taught how to find the direction south from the star constellation called the Southern Cross. It probably sounds like a small thing, but it has often proved to be a significant way of orientating myself in the world. When I lived in Papua New Guinea, I would look up at the night sky, find the Southern Cross, and use it to identify where friends were in Queensland and where my parents were in the UK. Even in my current role, as I travel significant distances across the southwest to the border with South Australia and Northern Territory, I find it reassuring to find from the Southern Cross a sense of where my family is relative to where I am. In recent years, there have been many times when I've wished for a compass in the car, particularly when Google Maps has directed me at a T-junction to turn southwest along a particular street. Have you had that experience? Turn southwest and you think, why can't you just say left or right? But that Google Maps direction is a reminder about the role a compass has in navigation. If we have a map, together with a good sense of where we are, then guided by a compass, we should be able to travel to where we want to go and return to where we started. 
In some ways, I think the Ten Commandments offer the beginning of a moral compass for us as human beings and society. But acknowledge I have a cultural bias in affirming this. That's why I say the Ten Commandments offer a moral compass rather than the moral compass. But without some sort of moral compass, I think we as human beings find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. During the season of Lent, it's common practice for the Ten Commandments to be read in Anglican worship to remind us of what we understand to be God-given directions to help us navigate the complex journey of human life. The first four commandments, as we heard from Micah, suggest how we are to journey in our relationship with God, and the remaining six tell us how we are to journey with others. They're very well known, so I'd like to paraphrase and through this particularly give emphasis. The first could be paraphrased, don't forget that there is a God, and that there is one God who has made all of human life and all of creation possible. The second, as tempting as it is to substitute God with other things, don't do it. Don't make idols. The third, keep respect and reverence in your naming of God so that that naming is never diminished. And the third, give priority each week in the midst of your busyness to prayer and study, rest and renewal. These are hugely important, so just in case you miss them, I'll offer them again. Don't forget there is a God and that there is one God who's made all of human life and all of creation possible. As tempting as it is to substitute God with other things, don't do it and don't make idols. Keep respect and reverence in your naming of God so that the naming is never diminished and give priority each week in the midst of your busyness to prayer and study, rest and renewal. I wonder if there's one of these that stands out for you as you listen to this. Personally, I think I'm doing okay with one and three, but I need to reflect further on the implications of commandments two and four, substituting God with other things and giving priority each week to prayer, study, rest and renewal. The final six commandments are about the way we relate with other people. And again, I'm gonna paraphrase. Treat your mum and dad the way you would want to be treated, no matter what they do. Don't kill another person. Don't be physically or emotionally unfaithful to the person that you're married to. Don't take stuff that is not yours. Don't tell lies. And don't be jealous of what other people have. By the time Jesus was born, these Ten Commandments had been developed and expanded into 613 religious laws. These laws gave shape and direction to Jewish community life and continue to do so in our time. They defined who was part of the community and who was not, what was acceptable behaviour in the community and what the consequences were for unacceptable behaviour. Many of the laws are grounded in the understanding that certain things make a person ritually impure and by this I mean unworthy before God and unable to worship. These include a person's actions, a person's attitudes, a person's behaviour, the food that a person eats and how that food is prepared, when a person rests and how they rest, the laws and some laws that are specific to the physiology of being a woman. Before we feel too comfortable and look down upon the beliefs, laws and practices of a faith community 2,000 years ago, it's worth remembering that within the Christian faith, there are denominations that value women and men differently. And even in our own Anglican denomination, there are provinces and dioceses which do not, do not allow women to be ordained into church ministry and leadership as priests or bishops. 
remembering this, I think there is significant work to be done in the Anglican Church, both nationally and internationally, that, so that our church becomes more just for women and that God would want us to give this priority. Even in the history of Australia, women were only granted the right to vote and stand for political office relatively recently in 1902, just in case you're wondering. The very troubling revelations from our national parliament in Canberra over the last week suggest that women and men are still not equal in the application and investigation of criminal law and that there is very significant work to be done to make our society and political institutions more safe and more just places for women. Reviewing and rewriting laws that are discriminatory and unjust is important and it's helpful to recognise that Jesus did this in his ministry. For when he taught his followers that they were to forgive their enemies and pray for those who persecuted them, he challenged the established legal understanding that God wanted and approved of revenge, that an eye needed to be taken for an eye and that a tooth needed to be taken for a tooth. And when he affirmed that the two most important religious laws were to love God with all that we are and love our neighbours as ourselves, he expressed the understanding that God's love and grace is more generous than we can ever understand. In some ways, I think the purpose of our lives is to know this in the deepest part of our being. Invite others to know this and share something of it with others in what we do with our lives. I wonder which particular commandments shape your moral compass and mine. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. So if I come up to you during morning tea, please don't avoid, avoid eye contact and walk away. This is serious business as we seek to be faithful to God. So would you please join me in prayer. Holy God, we give thanks for the gift of our lives and for your infinite love. We thank you for the wisdom you've given through the ages and offer you those things which confuse and confront us. We ask for greater clarity about what you would want and greater courage to follow your leading. We pray in the name of the one who cleared the temple, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.